Hello, friends, and thank you for listening to Christ Church Online. We are in week two of our series called Dangerous Prayers, and this week we are led by our family life pastor, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew. Pastor Jamie will be preaching a sermon entitled, Break Me. Here he is with that message. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, church. Uh, I'm Pastor Jamie. I'm a family pastor here at Christ Church, and it's a blessing to be with you uh, worshiping and, and speaking about these dangerous prayers. I, when I say it's a blessing, I don't necessarily mean that, um, <laughs> you know, because the prayer of search me is a tough prayer. And, it, and I spent the last week um, at a cabin. I had a speaking engagement in Maryland, or down towards Maryland. And, and so I have a friend who owns a cabin there. And I spent the week in that cabin and praying, God, search me, search me, search me. And, you know, I know that there's a variety of Christianity that's out there that sells the message that when you give your life to Jesus, everything smells like bunnies, unicorns, and flowers. And, and the reality is that's just not true. That sometimes the, the closer we try to get to God, the more ugliness that's revealed about us. And so when we ask God to search our hearts, I don't know if you did it this week, but he will search your heart. And just as David cried out to him and said, search my heart, O Lord, know my thoughts. God knows our thoughts. He knows where our desires are. He knows where our sins are. He knows where our, our anxieties are, are, all of our stuff. He knows it. And so as we look at the progression of where do we go next, the next place that we go to is if we ask God to search us, we don't ask Him to search us for the sake of searching us, we ask Him to search us so that He can break us from the things that control our lives. I don't know what you came in here with this morning. I don't know what either sin or pridefulness or anxiety, I don't know what it is that you brought in here with you this morning, but I assure you this, God does not want you to leave with it. He wants you to give it to Him. He wants you to lay it down at His feet because He wants to take it to the cross and He wants to nail it there once and forever. So the question I have for you this morning is what is separating you from community with God in such an intimate way? What is that thing you're holding on to? You know, I know for me in a long time, and you've heard my testimony before, it was the hate that I had in my heart for my father. And God finally broke me of that. And I'm going to tell you, that was terrible. It was a terrible experience. But God doesn't leave us there. Because when God searches us and when he breaks us, he wants to send us to do his will. He wants to send us to do his work. And I promise you this, that when you are broken and poured out, God does have a blessing for you. Do you hear that this morning? So I'm asking you to get broken with me. Uh, you know, I think about when I was a youth pastor, I would pray with kids to receive Christ into their heart. And I used to have people tell me that your relationship with Jesus is not an emotional experience. Well, I would look at them and say, you know, well, I understand what you mean. It is an emotional experience. Because you see, when God searches your heart and when he breaks you, it should move you to emotion. It is a sovereign thing. God chose you. God, God works in your life. God does this. But listen, it is an emotional experience. Because when we have God search our heart and we realize how filthy, gross, and ugly we are, when he breaks us, there's emotions that take place. There's emotions of embarrassment. There's emotions of, ooh, I'm so grody. There's emotions of, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I don't have to bear that anymore. And so we should weep when we give our lives to Christ. We should weep when we pray. And I want to encourage you, it's okay to be emotional in your faith. If you're singing and raising your hands and you're praying to God and tears are streaming down your face, it's okay because that's God breaking you. 
we as believers need to stop just simply saying to one another, how's your day? Great, good, okay, see you later. We need to be able to say to one another, I'm hurting, I'm suffering, I'm frustrated, I'm angry at God. Because you see, God created us to be broken together. He created us to walk side by side and to be broken and to be poured out. And today we have two fantastic Bible stories that teach us this very concept. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open to the book of Mark, uh, chapter 14. Now I'm going to tell you right now, Mark 14 is loaded. We could do a 34-week series on it alone. All right. There's so many different theological and incredible application things that come out of there. I mean, in this story, this little portion alone, these, these how many ever verses, six verses alone, we could talk about the theological ramifications of the woman coming and anointing Jesus' head two days before he would hang on the cross. But we're not going to do that today. Because what we want to do is we want to stop and we want to take a moment and we want to look at somebody, a person who brought all of their ugly, who brought all of their grotesqueness to the feet of Jesus and they broke it and they poured it out to him. Because you see in the story of this prostitute who came to Jesus while he was hanging out in the home of a leper. Now can we just stop for a minute and laugh at that? <laughs> Jesus I mean, the setting alone, you can't get through the setting alone without going, man, Jesus is awesome because he's not even afraid of leprosy. See, God recognizes that he is bigger than any pain, than any disease or anything that afflicts us. So here's, here's a, a rabbi, a prostitute, and, and, and uh, who else do we got in there? A rabbi, a prostitute, and, and a uh, leper hanging out together. It sounds like a bad bar joke. But Jesus, in the home of Simon the leper, do you know what leprosy is? It, 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 it kills you. It numbs you. It, it robs you of who you are. And, and, you know, it's ugly. It's grotesque. It's highly contagious. In fact, if you had it, you were considered unclean, and no one would touch you. No one would speak to you. You were outcast. But here's Jesus hanging out in the guy's home. And not only is he hanging out in the guy's home, it says he's reclining. When you recline, you're what? You're comfortable. Jesus wasn't afraid. So, and, and we are going to talk about, parents, this is a heads up to you. I know I already said the word, but we are going to talk about prostitution here a little bit. So if, if you have questions later, kids, you can talk to me or your parents. But parents, just a heads up. It's, it's part of the subject matter. Okay? And so um, we're going to talk about it a little bit with sensitivity. Just be warned. Okay. So you have Jesus hanging out in the home of Simon of the leper. And then in walks this prostitute. She has been manipulated. She has been abused. She has been used by men her whole life. But something has taken place in the last little bit where she experienced a man who loved her differently. She's experienced a man who, for the first time, did not simply pour love out on her because it served him selfishly, but he, she's experienced this Jesus guy, and he loved her for who she was, not for what she could provide. And so when she has this jar, this is actually an alabaster jar. I got this in Jericho. It's really heavy. It's a, it's a solid substance. And it's like all the rest of the cologne that we get in the store. The bottle looks real big, but there's only a little, little space in there. You know, and so she brings this alabaster jar with this perfume. And, and the Bible says that she broke it and poured out. She did what? Let me hear you say it better. She what? She broke it and then she poured it out. 
poured it out. She took the alabaster jar, she broke it, and poured it out. Perfume was not something that everybody had. You know, I was getting ready for church this morning. I threw on some cold, cold water, is what I guess it's called, and I didn't think anything of it. You wear cologne, perfumes. We have smelly good stuffs for everything. I mean, we've got fruity sprays downstairs to hide the smell of the middle school kids. We've got stuff that is just <laughs> fantastic. All right? And, and, and as a culture, that type of thing doesn't hit us. But, but in the culture that, that Jesus is in right now, okay, perfume was really only used for a few things. It was used for ceremonial special occasions. It was used to help purify a body or to, to um, as, as they call it here, to anoint the, the body of one who's dead. So it, it smelled good. And then it was also used by the ladies of the night. It was used by prostitutes because when they would walk around town wearing their perfume, it let people know on the street, I'm open for business. And so when this woman enters into the home of the leper bringing her alabaster jar full of her her perfume, she's bringing with her something very expensive and something very precious. One might even go as far as to say that this alabaster jar represents her entire lifestyle, her entire career. Because what happens next is absolutely beautiful and it demonstrates to us that she experienced something with Jesus. Something different. Because in this moment, she takes the alabaster jar, she breaks it. She takes the perfume, the precious perfume that is so valuable that later in the, in the Bible it tells us that it would have been worth a year's salary and she anoints Jesus with it. Now, there's theological ramifications that we could go to to talk about, you know, two days before the death and the resurrection of Jesus and all this other stuff, but we're going to focus on this part of the story. If you want to talk about that later, let's get lunch. She takes it. She breaks it. She pours out, and when she does show, she's breaking her very self. She's laying down her rights. She's laying down her career. She's recognizing that the old way of living needs to die because she needs to cling to what brings life, and that's Jesus Christ. And I don't know what afflicts you. I don't know what harms you. I don't know what sin you're caught up in. I don't know what addiction you have this morning. But I want to tell you this. Jesus Christ wants to liberate you from that. He loves you for you, not for what you can do, not for all the things that you think you can be, not for the stuff you do in your own power. He loves you because you're his just as he loved this woman because she's his and she broke herself to the Lord think about what it must have took for that woman to walk into that room full of men all knowing what she did those towns weren't very big back then everybody knew who she was and she brings her expensive career with her and she breaks her career surrenders her life to Jesus Christ and anoints him and how do the church folks react in this moment are you nuts? What are you doing? One, you don't belong here. And two, you're throwing that expensive stuff on the ground when we could have sold it and given it to the poor. And what's Jesus' response? Relax, guys. She's doing this because she loves me. In fact, the way she has just demonstrated her love for me by breaking herself and pouring herself out, she will be remembered throughout history because of the gift she just brought to me. And here we are talking about her today. Right? God is in the business of taking broken things and making them new. Do you know what brokenness is? Brokenness is taking a vessel 
and changing it in such a way that it no longer can serve the function that it was serving. Did you catch that? Brokenness is changing something in such a way that it can no longer serve the function that it used to serve. And I'm going to tell you right now, we are sinful creatures. And the way that our vessel is shaped right now, when before we know Jesus Christ and before we surrender to Him, we are serving something, a purpose, that is not what God had in mind for us. What the Master desires to do is, is to break us so that we as a vessel will forever be changed. And He will then piece us back together into the vessel that He wants us to be. Broken and poured out. The second story that we look at this morning is, is another one. And it's just a couple of days later. It's a couple of, of, uh, of, of, of verses later found down in uh, Mark 14, 22. And, in, and Jesus takes this example again and takes it to the extreme. And I want you to listen to the parallels that we find in this found in Mark 14, verses 22. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he says, take my body. What did Jesus do to the bread? What did he say his body was? Broken. He said, take my body and eat. And so he continues on and he says, then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he offered it to them and they all drank from it. He said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Jesus' body was what? And it was poured out. Broken and poured. Broken and poured. In the book of Luke, we see this same account. I'm going to have the guys bring it up on the screen for you. In the book of Luke, I believe it's 22, there's this amazing uh, passage that continues to talk about the, um, the Last Supper. And when Jesus uses these words, He says, This is my body that was broken for you. And then he continues on and he says, do this in remembrance of me. Now, there's not a scholar on the planet that's going to argue with the fact that Jesus is talking about communion. Jesus is talking about communion in that moment. And he's saying, and we still do it today, and we even have those words, do this in remembrance of me, written on our table. We do that in remembrance of the fact that Jesus forever changed the Passover meal by breaking and pouring out himself. But there's a, there's a pastor by the name of Craig Grishel who, who challenges us to even think in this way. That maybe, just maybe, when Christ uttered these words, do this in remembrance of me, was he challenging his disciples to also be broken and to be poured out? Broken and poured out. When we're broken and when we're poured out, when we surrender those things to God, there is a blessing that God has for us. And when we allow God to, to search us and to find those things and we give them to Him and we surrender them to Him, He will change us because broken and pour out, it equals a blessing from God. Maybe you have been broken in this room this morning. Maybe there's been a, a sickness or an addiction, alcoholism. I don't know what it is. And God has broken you from that. Can you just say amen right now? Amen. It stinks going through it. It's hard going through it. But when God breaks you, He blesses you because He wants to send you somewhere. Four years ago, I think it's four years ago now, 
I have a group of friends that I hunt with, and we were in a Bible study together, and we were very close, and, and they're all devout men of God. And one of those guys, uh, his name's Joe, and he gave me permission to share this story. Joe was a guy that uh, was very showy. He's a bodybuilder. He was a boxer. He um, was a marks, marksman. He actually had gold-plated guns uh, that he would shoot, and he just was very flamboyant, okay? And, you know, Joe was a leader in his church. He taught Bible studies, and he talked a great game about how he led his family biblically and how he led his children biblically. And, And so what began to take place is Joe's heart loved to be the man. He was walking in this life of faith under his own power. And in his past, Joe had experienced lots of abuse and hardship, even living in burned-out apartment buildings that were abandoned between the ages of 14 and 16. And he experienced tons of abuse and tons of hardships that he never dealt with in his heart. He never asked God to search him. He never asked God to break him. And so he had this very cordial relationship with Jesus. But according to everybody else, we saw this incredible man of God. Until some time would pass, and while Joe was doing everything on his own power, the weight of that began to catch up with him, and he began to turn to old habits as a way to cope with the pain and the suffering. And he turned to the bottle, and he became an alcoholic. And while the alcohol soothed for a little while, the alcohol didn't do the job, and he then began to turn to other substances. And over the next year and a half or so, our our man of God, we began to notice changes in his attitude and his temperament and and things. His children began to to be afraid of him. His, His wife became disconnected from him. And after a couple of DUIs, we began to tell him, Joe, you have a problem. And and he said, I don't have a problem. You you're just all too sensitive. He continued to to cling to his own strength. He continued to cling to his own power. And then a couple of years ago, I got a phone call from his wife, and she says, Jamie, I haven't seen Joe in 48 hours, and we haven't heard from him. So I called my buddies, who we all hung out together and did Bible and church and life together, and I said, guys, we, we have to go find Joe. And so through some... Things we discovered that he was arrested on the turnpike. He had fallen asleep behind the wheel, intoxicated with lots of substances in his body, and he was thrown into a jail out in the middle of the state. And so we drove out there. He didn't realize we were coming to get him. And when we came to the jail, he was told that he had been bailed out and he was getting out. And, and when he came out around the corner to see three of his, 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 devout, his devoted men of God, brothers in Christ, who supposedly didn't even really know what was going on, came around the corner, he instantly was angry. His words were, why are you here? And now in this moment, this man is being faced with the reality that his secret is known, that he's been doing life on his own power, and he's not winning, he's not being successful. So as we're driving Joe home, he became angry, and and we began to talk about his life, and we confronted him, and we challenged him on his children, and we challenged him on his family, and we told him, you're an alcoholic, you're an addict. And I remember we were somewhere near Donegal, we were driving in a neighborhood because we stopped to get gas, And he said, the next person that tells me I'm an alcoholic, I'm going to fight. So I slammed on my brakes going about 35 miles an hour in the middle of some neighborhood. I got out of my car, I took my jacket off, and I opened my back door, and I drug him out of the back seat. And I got right in his face, nose to nose, and I said, Joe, you're an alcoholic, and I'm not afraid of you. 
And so he stepped back, and man, this guy would have killed me. Goodness sakes. I mean, he's a boxer. He steps back, and he, and he clenches his fist, and he screams in the middle of this neighborhood, and it's like midnight, and he falls to his knees. And he says, my entire life has been a lie. I don't know how to rely on God. I don't know how to do any of this. And in the middle of a street next to a sheet, somewhere near Donegal, three brothers in Christ gathered around each other, gathered around our broken brother. And we said, Joe, you have to ask God to search your heart. And he prayed in the street, search me. He then prayed the prayer, Lord, break me. And guess what? When Joe quit trying to do everything on his own power, God changed his life. God broke him. Today, he's, he's been, he's been uh, substance-free for over two and a half years. He's leading a, a, um, a, a ministry in his church that celebrate recovery. He's now a leader in his church. He's leading devotionals. He's leading Bible studies. And the wisdom that he's able to pour out on people because of what he went through so many years ago, God has not just searched him. God did not just break him. But God sent him because God doesn't leave us in our despair. When God breaks it and pours it out, he does it for a reason. Jesus did not stay in the grave, people. On the third day, he got up. And when he got up, he left all of the things that are death, all of the pains, all of the anxieties, all of your piety, all of your self-righteousness, all of that that we ask God to break us from. He took that upon himself. He took it to the cross. And when he rose on the third day, he left that junk there. You are not defined by your mistakes. You are not defined by your problems, by your brokenness. You are defined by where God sends you. And if you have Christ in your life, he's got a good destination for you. Amen? So the question is, what are you holding on to? What are you clinging to that you need to put down? Because I promise you this, if you are holding on to an addiction, if you are holding on to self-righteousness, if you are holding on to your status financially or whatever it may be, that will lead you to death. You need to ask God to search you. You need to ask Him to break you because God wants to change the, 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 the usage of the vessel. He wants to make it serve His purposes. We are the potter, or He is the potter, we are the clay. He wants to mold us. He wants to make us into something brand new, something fantastic, something that's awesome. And so the question I have for you this morning, church, are you broken? Are you poured out? Have you surrendered it all to him? And if you have, praise God, you're going to like next week's sermon. <laughs> but if you haven't, don't leave this place today without uttering the words to God, break me. And listen, when God breaks you, you don't have to ask if God broke you. You know it. And when God breaks you, you have a church family that is here for you. We love you. We will fight you for you. We will bow down in the streets and we will pray with you. Ask God to break you. Cry out to your friends and your family. If you are suffering from an addiction here today, listen, you're not hiding it from anybody. Everybody knows it. Stop pretending. Surrender it to God and ask Him to break you. I don't know what your affliction is, but God's bigger than it. So Father, we love you and we thank you. We praise you that this woman brought herself conflicted, dirty, full of sin. 
she broke herself and poured herself out in a vulnerable way. You did not laugh at her. You did not throw stones at her. You did not cast judgment. But you told everybody, back off. Because what she has done here today is beautiful. And so God, as we bring ourselves to you, take away the fear of being laughed at. Take away the fear of shame. Take away the anxiety that we're not worthy because God, we're all train wrecks. None of us are worthy, but you make us worthy. So whatever's holding us back, God, search us, break us, and surround us with people that can help us recover because God, you do not desire death for us. We cannot do this life without you. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. We cannot do it on our own. So daily remind us. Daily inspire us. May we feel your presence. And may we know, God, that you love us and you search us because you want to send us somewhere. Thank you, God, for this morning.